Well, we are here in week three of our series, Christmas Morning, and in the spirit of personal gifts that we've been talking about over the last couple weeks, my mom sent me these pictures of personal gifts that I received as a kid, and I believe each of these was a gift made by my grandma on my dad's side, so my, my dad's mom. She was a home economics teacher and mother to six children, and when all of us grandkids started showing up, she decided to put her home ec skills to use making gifts for us for birthdays and Christmas each year. So I'm going to show these pictures, and I'm, I'm going to let you know, I'm showing you me as a kid. You're welcome. First one, look at that bold dinosaur sewn on that blue shirt. We think, based on this being my childhood home and not my grandparents' house, that this was a birthday, also why it's short-sleeved, we hope. Uh, now, I, I love the color blue, so that's great, and the fabric looks, looks kind of sweatshirty, which is an odd choice for a summer outfit that came with matching blue shorts, as you can see in the picture. You had to love that about the 80s. Top and bottom of the outfit were best if they perfectly matched. No contrast, no different shades. No, in the 80s, you were the coolest if your color scheme looked like a tracksuit, even if you weren't wearing a tracksuit, okay? Second one, uh, there's not too much to say about a turquoise Hanes sweatshirt with a picture of a deer sewn onto it, is there? Like, I mean, it's just fantastic. What made this particular sweatshirt look really work is that not pictured is are the matching sweatpants. There were matching sweatpants that were just as turquoise for a boy's, like every one of our cousins, we got this, everyone, everyone had a different animal print on it, um, but we all got turquoise matching sweatsuits, sweat shirt, sweatpants, and that's right, this was an outfit. I think you can even tell from my face in the picture, that was the best smile anyone was going to get from me while holding up that sweatshirt. And it's with that in mind that I remind you of the powerful truth that we've been discussing during the month of December with a little bit of a twist. The more personal gift, the better the gift most of the time, <laughs> right? The more personal the gift is, the better the gift most of the time. The more personal gift is, the better the gift. And the reason that's so amazing is that at Christmas, God gave the most personal gift that anyone has ever been given. The most personal gift that has ever been given. He sent his son Jesus because he knows our need. He knows our desire. He knows our time and he knows who he is in relationship with us and to us. And so he gave us Jesus, the greatest gift that anyone has ever given because he's the most personal gift that has ever been given. And last week we looked at the gifts that God gave, gives that feel like darkness sometimes, where the gift is what happens in the dark when we cling to the big light. When we fix our eyes on God, when we find what he's doing in our lives since he never stops working, and we follow wherever the big light leads, whether that's a next step or him illuminating our path, we find, we fix, and we follow. And today, I want to contrast last week's dark by talking about the light of Christmas, because as much as it's important to know about how God moves in the dark of our lives and see how it plays out in the Christmas story, the gift of Jesus that we celebrate at Christmas is by its very essence, light. The gift of Christmas is by its very essence, the gift of Jesus by its very essence is light. See, we instinctively know that Christmas is light, don't we? I mean, it's why, it's, it's why, it's why many of us, we have a star on top of a lit up Christmas tree. It's why many of us put up Christmas lights on the outside of our home and decorate your whole yard. I've seen some of your yards. I've seen some of pictures of some of your homes. I've driven by some of them. They look amazing. They look fantastic. You put lights up and no matter how dark the night is, your house looks amazing with all of the Christmas lights and the inflatables and lights on the house, lights in trees. Lights, if we're in Crucis, lights on 
cactuses. I mean, like, it's, it's, it's fantastic to see that. It's, it's why every year my wife drags a bunch of us to walk around the NMSU campus at night on the first Sunday of December during the Noche de Luminarias. It's why next year we're going to figure out how to have Winter Wonderland at after church on Sunday and keep it going until the night because those inflatables and snow will be even cooler when you see them all lit up and illuminating the night sky. I love all of those lights. But Christmas isn't just any light. And it certainly is not a generic type of light. Christmas is a very specific light shining into the darkness of our human experience. And it's because of that light that we associate Christmas with light 2,023 years later. So to talk about that kind of light, we have to understand that there was a promise or a prophecy made about 700 years, somewhere between six and 700 years before the birth of Jesus by the prophet Isaiah. And this Christmas season, my daughters have learned a lot about this guy, Isaiah. We look back and celebrate his words because we understand them to be about Jesus. But the kings of Israel and Judah did not like Isaiah a whole lot because he kept predicting and prophesying that if they didn't get their stuff together and return to the Lord, the Lord would, would draw his hand of blessing from the nation of Israel and protection from the nation of Israel and allow them to experience a stretch of time that was intense darkness as a nation and as a people. In fact, right before the words that we're about to read, Isaiah felt like he needed to have an object lesson for the king. So he slept with his wife who gave birth to a child. And after the child was born, he took the child to see the king and said, ask me what his name is. And he named his own son in such a way that would indicate to the king and to all of the king's court and to all of the listeners that time was running short for them to turn away from the things that they had, the idols that they had worshiped and to turn back to God or God's judgment would come through a foreign powers invading army. Isaiah was a fun guy. Like, 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 can you imagine? Like, you know what, honey? I just, we need to have a baby. Oh, that's good. I've been wanting to have a baby. Let me tell you the reason. Like that, like that's, that's what Isaiah, that's the person that Isaiah was. But then his warnings would always be followed with a hopeful message that after the darkness, when the people returned to God, when the kings returned to God, when the leadership returned to God, when priests themselves who had turned away from God and had stopped listening to God, and had stopped obeying the law themselves, when they all returned to God, people would, that God would in fact bring light and hope that would lead them out of darkness and despair. Here's one of his most famous prophecies of light and hope. In Isaiah chapter 9, starting in verse, verse 2, it says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the days of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. And then he said this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, if you understand ancient poetry, what happens here is something that's really, really amazing. There's the first verse of this poem, and then there's the last verse of this poem. And everything in the middle connects those two major points. This is point A, point B. Everything in between is meant to, is meant to be connection points, but this is the headline. 
Here's the headline. Let me, let me tell you the headline, just in case you missed what those are. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, Everyone who heard or read that promise for the next 600 years heard it and read it and understood it the same way, that it was a promise for the nation, that one day the nation would be restored to its place of glory, safety, power, and prominence, that this tiny little nation in the middle of nowhere wouldn't be a puppet for Egypt or a puppet for Assyria or a puppet for Babylon or a puppet for Persia or a puppet for Greece or a puppet for Rome because there would be a child that would be born who would grow to be a man who would rise up and would rebel and throw off the oppression and would rule and would rule with wisdom and strength, grace and power, and would lead Israel and Jerusalem Jerusalem to become so powerful and so prestigious that the nation itself would be a source of light that the world would look to and the nation would be a source of light and generosity to the world out of the goodness and abundance that they possessed. They believed that the promised light was a prosperous and powerful nation for the world to see. And I mean, it's easy to think why they would why they would think that. Like, hey, in a time where the nation is in trouble, the nation is under attack, there's going to be some judgment that comes from God, but there's going to be a day where the nation is restored to a place of prominence, where the nation is restored to a place that shelters its people and where it's safety, and they're safe from the, from the attacks of enemies, where they're going to be powerful and they're going to be able to defeat any foes, where they're going to be have, have so much um, that, that, that so much prosperity that they're going to be able to be generous to, towards nations and other nations will look to them as a light to the world because it's so good in Israel. It's so good for the people that we all look there, that the world looks there and goes, isn't that amazing? That's what they thought the promised light was. And for 600 years, people had hoped and things had gotten worse. The nation kept getting weaker and their oppressors kept getting stronger. But I mean, at this point, they're facing oppression from Egypt. They're facing oppression from Assyria. They're facing oppression from Babylon. But what happened is every empire that oppressed them was stronger than the one before because they actually got, I mean, like, you know, Assyria comes to attack and then Babylon comes to attack. Babylon had defeated Assyria. And now, and now Babylon is overtaken by Persia and, per, and the Persian empire is overtaken by the Greeks and the Greek empire is overtaken by the Romans. It's stronger, 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 stronger. And Israel had become weaker, 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 weaker. Surely this promise is not about to happen. And then with the birth of Jesus, Herod does the unthinkable if a person believed in the promise that a boy child would rise up and lead the nation to prominence. He gives a command that all boy children under a certain age are to be killed. It tells you how much he didn't believe the promise that if you believe a young, that there is a young boy to come who will lead the nation to prominence and to power, you don't kill young boys. They had given up on the promise. A few people were holding on to it that someday the nation might rise again, but they'd given up on the promise. But 
This is important for us to understand. This is, this is the, the driving theme of the whole message today. Here's what people had missed along all those years. The light already existed. The light already existed that within Israel, it wasn't about the power and the prominence and the prestige and the prosperity of the nation itself. The light already existed because the light was never a prosperous nation. The light was a special covenant relationship with God, their heavenly Father. The light was never about how the nation is doing. The light was about their connection to God in heaven. The light was the covenant relationship with God that began when God chose Abraham and Abraham chose God in return. The blessing that would flow from Abraham to Isaac, to Jacob, to his 12 sons, to their descendants. It was the blessing and the special light that freed them from slavery in Egypt, that special covenant relationship with God where God chose them and they chose God in return. It freed them from slavery in Egypt. It parted the, it was that God had chosen them and parted the Red Sea so that they could escape and provided for them and protected them while they were in the wilderness. It gave them the law and a way to be right in God's sight on a mountaintop in Egypt, not in a way to, to get right with God, because not a way to be chosen by God because God had already chosen them, but a way to say, here's how to appease your own conscience and appease your relationship and stay in right standing. Not, not, not how you get in right standing with God. You're already in right standing with God because he's chosen you. Here's how you stay in right standing with God. He gave the law on a mountaintop outside of Egypt that it was the same covenant relationship that brought them into the promised land, the same covenant relationship that established them as a nation, as God called them his people, and they called him their God. The light was never about the prosperity of a nation. The light was about the people of God, the people that God has chosen and choose God in return. And for nearly 2,000 years before the birth of Jesus, there was one light. There was one light and one way to receive that light. And it was simply to be Jewish, to be a descendant of Abraham, to be a descendant of Abraham. There was one line that brought the light. And it was a genetic thing. It was an exclusive thing. The light and the relationship given to one specific group of people. The law and the way to be in right standing with God was given to this one specific group of people because of genetics, because of their genetic standing. Now, to understand, just to to boil this down to one simple statement, for 2,000 years, there was one line that brought the light. One line that brought the light. To talk about the, the, the way we get light, I brought an extension cord today. And this is one line. This is about 50 feet. And if you notice, it's one plug and one plug. If you were to, t- if you were to take this light and say there's, there's energy and there's power behind this and plug this one into the wall and plug this one at, at, at the other end 50 feet away, you've got one line and one connection at the end of it. One line and one connection. And that's, and that's it. For 2,000 years, there was one line that brought the power. There was one line that brought the light. There was one line that brought the light to the world, that the Jews were supposed to be the light to the world. Because of their special relationship with God, they would serve as a light to the world. And then, 
And then God broke the silence to fulfill his promise. God made a call and a promise to a young girl named Mary and to a young man named Joseph that they were to raise the son of God who was about to be born from Mary, but not of Joseph. And they follow in obedience. And 39 weeks later in the town of Bethlehem, Jesus, the son of God, was born. And shepherds and wise men visited because of the light of a star and the light of angels filling the Bethlehem skies. And a few days after Jesus' birth, his parents take him to the temple courts in Jerusalem where they encounter an old man named Simeon. And here's what happens next as Simeon, this old man in Jerusalem, encounters the baby Jesus, the savior of the world, the light of the world. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Can you believe that? I mean, imagine that promise. Hey, you're not going to die before you see the faithfulness of God, before you see God's promise fulfilled. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. Now, this is every mother's worst nightmare, isn't it? Like that, that, a, that a stranger just comes and takes your child out of, out of your, you're like, hey, this is my, this is my, my baby now. Like, this, like it was everyone's worst nightmare until what happens next. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God saying, sovereign Lord, as you have promised, as you promised long ago, as you promised six to 700 years ago through prophet Isaiah, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. What's interesting here? Simeon didn't claim to see a ruler. Simeon didn't claim to see a military leader. Simeon didn't claim to see someone who would restore the fortunes of Israel. Simeon saw the salvation of God revealed not just for the sake of Israel, but for the sake of the world. Revealed not to restore the, 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 the prosperity and the power of Israel, but revealed for the salvation of everyone, everywhere, for all of time. That's what Simeon believed he saw when he saw the child Jesus, the Savior who had come into the world, the salvation of God, the Savior, not just for a country, but for everyone everywhere. This is the fulfillment. Jesus is the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 9. That was once a genetic thing has now been opened to one and all. That the light that was established in the covenant relationship with this one group, it was born in this one group, it was established in this one group, is now available and shining to the whole world for the whole world. This special relationship with God where God chose them and they chose God in return. It's now no longer a genetics thing. It's open to the whole world that God has chosen the whole world and a relationship with God is available for everyone who chooses him in return. The simple way to say it is simply this, that what was birthed in God's covenant relationship with Israel is now expanded to the whole world through the birth of Jesus. What was birthed in God's covenant relationship with Israel is now expanded to the whole world through the birth 
of Jesus. And to help us understand this, I mean, I've still got this, this power cord. And I've still got this, this, this extension cable. Because the power is extended, 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 extended. And what's amazing about this truth is that, again, when we look at this and we think, okay, this still just has one end on it. So how is it available to everyone? It's, it, it's, it's available to every, this genetic line. Sure, yeah, but that, how, it's, you're saying it's available to everyone. Yeah, because what you know and I know, especially around Christmas, is we're all familiar with power hubs. And we're all familiar with power splitters that extend the power in multiple directions. I mean, if you've seen any Christmas movie where anyone's putting up lights, you know what it's like to see someone who has power splitter, power splitter, like one line, and there's a power splitter, and that power splitter has another power splitter that sends power that way, and then another power splitter that sends this way, and the tree, and the outside, and these lights, and these lights, and these lights, and it all, it's one line that sends power in a hundred different directions. And here's the message of Christmas, and here's the message of Christmas morning, and here's the message of Christmas lights, is that Jesus is the power splitter extending light and life to everyone everywhere that God has chosen and choose and decide to choose God in return. Jesus is the power splitter that you can plug in and your family can plug in and your long lost nephew can plug in. And that person that you know at work who has who's walked away from God can re-plug in. And that person that you know who said they would never ever, that person that you know that you interact with on, on the campus of the NMSU, that they it seems like they would never ever believe that if they turn to God, they can reconnect to the to the God who loves them and knows them. And to that person that we haven't even named yet, but you but you have in your head of like, I don't know if they're, they're too far gone. They like they sure like to live uh, live for the world, but if they choose God, there is a way now for them to plug into what God is doing. That Jesus is the power splitter, extending light and life to everyone. That was once a genetic thing. That light was extended to the Jews because of Jesus, because God sent His Son into the world for the world. He did not just send His Son into the world for Israel. He sent His Son into the world for the world. And in, when He when He came into the world, He became the power splitter. That that sent the power of light and life in God in connection with our Heavenly Father to everyone, everywhere, for all of time. And the bottom line today of this Christmas morning is that the covenant relationship with God, that special relationship with God that was once available for just a few people, it is now inclusively exclusive. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Something can't be inclusive and exclusive at the same time. It still comes from one line, but now the line is no longer a genetic line. The line is Jesus. The line is the love of God extended through Jesus to the splitter, and now it's our opportunity that we plug into Jesus. We plug into Jesus. He is the one line for all. He's the one line for all. It's exclusive. He's the only way. He's the only way to salvation. He's the only way to the love of God. He's the only way to the grace of God. He's the only way to the strength of God. He's the only way to the power of God. He's the only way to the wisdom of God. He's the only way. He's the only way, but he came to save one and all. It's the one way available for everyone. He's the one way available for everyone. And so everyone can plug in and 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 everyone can plug in. And this may only have six ports, but Jesus is the port, the, the, the extension cable that has never ending ports. He is available to all who choose him as the one way. He's the exclusive and inclusive savior. Exclusive because he's the only way and inclusive because he's for everyone.
He's the exclusive, inclusive Savior. There's only one way to our Heavenly Father. It's through Jesus. But Jesus came to extend that invitation to all. And when we choose that invitation, when we choose Him, when we choose to plug into who He is and what He's done so that we can find our way to our Heavenly Father, here's what we're told in the New Testament. In Ephesians 5, verses 8 and 9, it says, For you were once darkness. You were the people living in the land of shadows. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord because you have chosen God. Because you have chosen God's invitation, now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6, it said, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. In Colossians, Paul wrote in in chapter 1, verses 12 through 14, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. We're out of the darkness. And brought us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves, the kingdom of light in whom we now have redemption the forgiveness of sins. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul wrote it this way, but you brothers and sisters are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. That's who you are now. You've been brought out of the darkness and now you not only have the light, you are the light. The light lives inside of you. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul wrote it this way, This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And Peter wrote it this way in his letter, 1 Peter 2, verse 9. He says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. And here's the bottom line this Christmas. The bottom line on this Christmas morning, as we understand the line, and as we understand the extension and the the port that makes it available for all of us to come to our Heavenly Father, no matter what your experience has been, Jesus is your invitation in. I could say it this way. No matter what your experience has been, Jesus is your invitation to plug in and to receive from God everything that flows out of Jesus. Everything that flows to us from Jesus is available when we plug into Jesus, when we choose Jesus because Jesus chose to die for us, chose to come for us, chose to live for us, chose to die for us, chose to raise from the dead for us so that we could know our Heavenly Father, so that we could be plugged in and receive from God everything that God has desired to give us all along. And when you plug in, here's what you will find. You will find light and you will find life. There's that, there's that, I think it's in O Holy Night, and light and life to all he brings. He's risen with healing in his wings. That when we plug into God, when we plug into Jesus, 
no matter what our experience has been. Your experience may be that you were that you were raised in church and you hit the college campus or you hit your teenage years and you gradually, slowly, slowly, slowly walked away and all of a sudden you found yourself so from, far from God and so far from what you had known that you didn't think there was ever a way back. And no matter what your experience has been like that, Jesus is your invitation to plug back in. Some of you are like, you know, I didn't even grow up in church. Like I grew up in a family that we we, did, we were opposed to religious things. In fact, we fought against it. We were the people who would go and just be like, we just had nothing to do with any of it. But I've woken up and I found myself at the end of myself. And I know at the end of myself, there's nothing I can do for myself. And I realize the hopelessness and the despair of myself. And I long for a savior and I long for a connection with someone or something bigger than myself. And if that's God, I need to know him. If that's your experience, Jesus is the way to plug back in, not just to something bigger than yourself, but to the someone greater than yourself who has hope and light and life for yourself. Some of you are like, I've been, it's not just been a wandering, I've been actively involved in sin and sin has wrecked me and sin has destroyed my conscience. And like, and I don't even like to say that, but if I'm being honest, that's my experience is I have chosen sin over and over and over again. I didn't do it specifically trying to walk away from God. I just have indulged all of my own desires and I've let it destroy my life. Can someone, is there hope for me? Is there grace for someone like me? There is, there's an open port. Because Jesus is the extension to everything that God has for you. And when you plug into Jesus, you receive God's grace and love and strength and healing for everything that you have broken and everything that life has broken around you. No matter what your experience has been, Jesus is your invitation in. And when you plug into Jesus you will find Jesus' light and Jesus' life. And you will find that that is everything you need this Christmas. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your light. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus' light and Jesus' life. And thank you that he is the extender that brings light and life to all. Thank you that he's the light and that he brings, he's the extender that brings light and life to me. And that he's the extender that brings light and life to everyone watching today who chooses you in response to what you've done for us. So God, today we simply thank you for Jesus. But God, more than that, we choose Jesus. We, 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 we intend to plug our entire lives into Jesus in response to who he is, in response to who you are, in response to your goodness and your grace and your love and your mercy and your wisdom and your strength. And God, we thank you that because of Jesus, we can plug into everything that you have for us, everything that you are to us, and that because of Jesus, we can receive everything that you are to us. We choose you today. We choose Jesus today. Would you bring healing and light and life? through Jesus. We pray this all in your name. Amen.